On today's episode of A Measure of Faith, we're going to talk about what it means to follow Christ. This is part four of four in a series on this topic. Jesus said that if any man follow me, let him take up his cross and deny himself. We've followed Jesus in birth, death, and burial. Now, let's see how to follow him in the resurrection. If you've ever asked yourself, is God real? Is there more to life? Are miracles possible? Then you're in the right place. Thank you for joining us today on this podcast. Here's your host, Jacob Jones, pastor of River City Pentecostals in Decatur, Alabama, hoping to increase your measure of faith with inspirational stories and the truth of God's word. Hi there, and welcome to this episode of A Measure of Faith. I'm your host, Pastor Jacob Jones. I pastor a church in Decatur, Alabama. And these last three episodes of my podcast have been lessons that I wrote in a Bible study called Follow Him. And you can find that Bible study on followhim.online. It's not trying to sell you anything. It's completely free. You can do whatever you want with it. Download it, share it, copy it, edit it, print it, whatever, as long as you don't try to sell it. Because my intention is for this podcast, for this YouTube channel, if you're watching on YouTube, for this Bible study to always be free. I'm not trying to make money selling the gospel. This is this is all intended to be free. So in lesson one, we looked at the birth of uh, how we follow Christ in birth and lesson two, it was how we follow him in death. Lesson three, how to follow him through being buried with Christ in baptism. And this lesson is about the resurrection of Christ. Do we stop after the burial? No, Christ didn't stop after he was buried. He was only in the grave for three days and he was resurrected and baptism is not where we stop following Christ. We're going to continue on through baptism and we will be resurrected and walk in newness of life, as the Bible says. When we die to our sins through repentance and we're buried with Christ in water baptism, we shouldn't stay dead. We, we, sh- we shouldn't stay that Jesus didn't stay dead. We, we've got to follow him out of the grave. He was only in that tomb for three days and on the third day he rose again. We have way more evidence that this resurrection of Jesus occurred than we do of many other historical figures or historical events and no you know things that no one else doubt existed we have more evidence for Jesus than those things there are over 500 eyewitness testimonies to Jesus's resurrection Jesus was seen alive by hundreds of witnesses for 40 days before he ascended to heaven but he didn't leave forever his body may have been glorified but he's still here in spirit let's start by reading john chapter 14 uh, starting in verse 15 if you have your bibles turn with me and read along pause this if you have to go grab your bible if you're driving don't do that just listen i'll read it to you if you love me keep my commandments and i will pray the father He shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. 
I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more, but ye see me. Because I live, ye shall live also. At that day ye shall know that I am in my Father, and ye in me, and I in you. So let's let's break that down very quickly. Notice how Jesus says, the Spirit is with you, this Comforter is with you, but soon it will be in you. Then he tells them that he is that same Spirit because he says, I will not leave you comfortless, I will come to you. He then ties this to the resurrection by saying that because I live, you will live also. This is incredible. If you if you stop and, and read it, what Jesus is saying is, first of all, uh, he is that spirit. Like there isn't another Holy Spirit. As I mentioned in episode three of this podcast, when I talk about the nature of God, Jesus said, I'm not going to leave you comfortless. I'm going to come to you. So not only do we get some more clues about the nature of God through this conversation, it's Jesus that's going to be in us. That's that's incredible. But also, we get this little tidbit there at the end of verse 19 that I read to you. He said, because I live, you will live also. In other words, I was resurrected. Guess what? You're going to be resurrected as well. And how does that happen? Through the Comforter, which is the Holy Spirit. That's how we are going to be resurrected. Let's turn over to Romans chapter 8, starting in verse 7. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God, but ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, notice it's the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin. But the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwelt in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his Spirit that dwelleth in you. So I'm reading in the King James. If you're reading in a different translation, maybe that made more sense to you. But let me break it down to you. Quicken your mortal bodies is an old English term that means to make come to life, to give life to. So when he says that... He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies. He's saying he shall also resurrect you as well. This is talking about the resurrection. And how? How does he resurrect you? By his spirit that dwelleth in you. By his spirit that dwelleth in you. In this passage, we confirm two things that are supported by other scriptures that we have already read in this Bible study, many of them. And other ones that are throughout all of, all of the scripture harmonizes with this. Number one, you have to have God's spirit in you. You must be filled with the Holy Spirit. Romans 8 and 9, we just read it says you don't even belong to God if his spirit is not in you. Now, the second thing that we have confirmed with this is that when God's spirit is in us, we are resurrected just like he was. 
It quickens our mortal body. So if we are crucified with Christ through repentance, we're buried with Christ through water baptism, then we are resurrected with Christ by His Spirit living in us. Having the Holy Spirit live in you is essential. Remember John 3, 5, you must be born again of the water and the spirit or you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. If something is so important that Jesus says you must do it to enter heaven, I want to make sure that I do it. And I know I have repented because the Bible teaches us how to do this. I I just told you two lessons ago. We confess our sins with godly sorrow, make a commitment to turn away from sin, and forgive others. If I've done those things, I am truly repentant. I can know, I can verify through the Bible that that is how to repent. Looking at scripture, I've got that. I know I've been baptized because the Bible teaches us how to do that as well. That was what we talked about in our last episode. The word baptized means to be submerged in water. So I was submerged. I didn't just get sprinkled. Nobody just poured water on me. I was submerged in water. And we know that we have to to do that, to be biblically baptized. And Jesus taught his disciples to baptize people. When the disciples baptized people, they did it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, showing us that we need to be baptized in Jesus' name. I've done that too. I can I can verify with Scripture that I have done that correctly. But how do I know that I have been filled with His Spirit? This is important too. He said, if you don't do it, you don't belong to Him. How do I know that I have done this correctly? Well, to find out, we need to go back to the beginning of the church, back to the first outpouring of the Holy Spirit. If this is something that I need to do, I want to look at how it happened the first time. That would be that would make logical sense to me. I want to see how they knew they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And so the question I have is, what was the sign? What was the evidence that they had received the Holy Spirit the first time it was poured out? Now, most Christians agree that you must receive the Holy Spirit. This is this is not a debated thing like no like i've i don't know of a denomination maybe you're if you're listening out there um you can send in a comment my email is in the show notes if you have any questions ever you can always email me if you're listening on youtube just comment on the youtube channel um I'll, you can also send in a voice uh, question through spotify or different places where you're listening to this podcast so so, so reach out to me there there's ways to reach out to me if you're listening wherever you're listening from just look in the description you'll find a way to reach out to me maybe maybe you're part of a christian denomination that says no you don't need to be filled with the holy ghost but and and that's i've never heard like every denomination baptist methodist Catholic, even catholic everyone says you need to be filled with the holy spirit the question is not do I need to be filled with the Holy Spirit? That's, I mean, that's so all throughout Scripture. Like, you have to have it. But where they disagree is the manner in which the Holy Spirit is received. More specifically, the evidence or the sign that someone has received the Holy Spirit. Some say it's because I was baptized. So when I went down in the water... I received the Holy Spirit. Some say, well, it was 
um, because I feel joy. Some say it's because I'm a good person. Some say it's because, you know, this and that. So there's all kinds of different kind of beliefs about this is the sign that I know I have the Holy Spirit. And that's, that's all well and good, but I like to stick to what the Bible says. I like to stick to scripture, not just how I feel, not just tradition, not just some creed or counsel or anything like that. I, I want to go back to the word of God. And when I look at the word of God, I see a very consistent sign that shows that someone has been filled with the Holy Ghost. And it's it's consistent for a reason, because God's not trying to confuse us. The Bible says he is not the author of confusion. He's not trying to say, well, there are multiple signs that shows that you have the Holy Spirit. That would be confusion. That would be like driving down the road, and there's 20 different signs saying, turn this way to go down Highway 10, turn this way to go down Highway 10. No, just keep going straight and you'll be on Highway 10. Actually, you missed it. Turn it around. That would be very confusing if there were multiple signs trying to point to something so essential. We all agree it's essential. Jesus said, or uh, Romans, Paul said, rather, that if you're not filled with the Spirit of Christ, you don't belong to Him. And Jesus said, that if you're not born again of the water and the spirit, you won't enter the kingdom of God. So we've got to, we've got to have this. We've got to have this. It's the spirit that resurrects us. So it's important. How do I know I've done it? I know, I know I've repented. I know I've been baptized. How do I know I've been filled with the Holy Spirit? So as hundreds of people received the Holy Spirit the on the first day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. This immediately followed the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It marked a significant event in the history of church. It was the birthday of God's true church. And without a doubt, this day was filled with a miraculous event to signify its importance. At first, it was 120 in an upper room, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit for the first time. The Bible says when that happened, they began to speak in several languages that they didn't know previously. No one taught them. They didn't understand them. They were they were mostly from Galilee. They were poor fishermen or fishermen families or friends of those fishermen. And this is this is this was undoubtedly a significant event. However, many people disagree as to how significant that event was. Some claim that it was a one-time miraculous event that was not meant for people to experience today, which I've shown you before that that disagrees, even with that same chapter, let alone the rest of the Bible. Others claim that this miraculous outpouring of God's Spirit using the sign of speaking in other languages was only meant for the Jews in Israel. But again, that same chapter and other chapters throughout the Bible show that neither one of those things are true. The book of Acts actually makes it very clear that the events on the day of Pentecost were not just a one-time occurrence. It, it happened all throughout the book of Acts. It makes it clear that the events were not limited to Jews or even to one geographical place. Jesus said it's going to start in Jerusalem and spread throughout the whole world. Furthermore, every time someone received the Holy Spirit in the Bible, it was always accompanied by an outward 
sign to show that they had in fact received the Holy Spirit. It would be illogical for God to give us multiple different signs. The apostles would say, well, let me see if this person got it or not. They're doing something different. Um, or they didn't do anything at all. They just said they feel like they got it. They just said, well, I feel happy now, so maybe I've got like that. That would be that would lead to confusion. But they wrote down how many people got it. They were able to identify. Yes, these people received the Holy Ghost. How did they identify? How did they know the whole family of Cornelius received the Holy Ghost in Acts chapter ten? How did they know? Well, because there was a sign. It was always accompanied by a sign. God only gives us one sign in Scripture that a person has received the Holy Spirit. And that's speaking in a language unknown to the speaker as the Holy Spirit gives them the ability to do so. You've heard this referred to as speaking in tongues. Tongues there means languages. Speaking in other languages. That's the only sign that we have. So for someone to come along and say, well... I know I got the Holy Ghost, but I didn't speak in tongues. I would say, how would you know that? Because where did you find in the Bible that you could know that you have the Holy Ghost without speaking in tongues? Because I can't find it. It's not there. So if we look at the examples in the book of Acts, we just kind of talked about one already. The first one is the day of Pentecost. It's Acts chapter, Acts chapter 2. About 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ was resurrected from the dead. He was seen alive by approximately uh, for 500 and something witnesses for, for about 40 days. During this time, he left very important instructions to his closest followers. That's the thing. We weren't there for those 40 days. We can't just start making up new things. There were some disciples who were there. Who were, who were sitting sitting there at the feet of Jesus after he was resurrected, talking about very specific things pertaining to the kingdom of God. That's what the Bible says. That's what he was talking to them about. They spent 40 days with resurrected Jesus and then turned around and did everything they did in the book of Acts. And for me to say, well, you know, I wasn't there during those 40 days, but I'm going to do... I'm going to do my version of Christianity differently. I'm going to have different signs for receiving the Holy Ghost. I'm going to baptize differently. I'm going to say salvation comes a different way. No, like, I, I don't get to do that. Like, I wasn't there in that conversation for 40 days with the resurrected Christ. The disciples were. And he left them very important instructions. And one of the last things that he told his disciples to do is actually found in the first book of Acts. And we looked at this at Lesson 1, but I want to read it again. If we go to Acts chapter 1, and we read, starting in verse 1, The former treaties have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach, up until the day in which he was taken up. After that, he, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen. To whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days, and speaking of things pertaining to the kingdom of God. I wasn't in that conversation, but his disciples were. Verse 4, And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, You have heard of me. 
He's told them about it. He said, For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. So he's he's telling them, after I leave, in a few days, you're going to be filled with the Holy Ghost. You're going to be baptized with the Holy Ghost. So it didn't happen before this. It, it, it did. When it happens after that, he tells them it's about to happen. And so we need to go look at that first time to, to, to start any discussion about how to be baptized with the Holy Ghost. We got to look at that first time. But let's keep reading. Verse 6. When they therefore were come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom of Israel? They still thought he was talking about natural things. They can never understand that the kingdom of God, when he was referring to the kingdom of God, he was not talking about rebuilding the temple and setting up the kingdom of Israel. No, the kingdom of God was everyone who was born again of water and spirit. All the way back to John Chapter 3, when he said that you cannot enter the kingdom of God unless you're born of the water and the spirit. That's the kingdom he was talking about. So so he 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 kind of silences them a little bit. In verse 7, he says, He said unto them, It's not for you to know the times of this or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. But here's what he here's the but. Here's where he's like, This is what I'm actually talking about. Verse 8. But ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me in both Jerusalem, all of Judea, and Samaria, and the uttermost part of the earth. So here, he tells them, this is what's going to happen. You're going to be filled with the Holy Ghost. So verse 4, Jesus tells the disciples, wait in Jerusalem for the promise of the Father. He then elaborates on what that promise is, stating you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. So in Acts 1-5, through we find what the real theme of this book is, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That, that's the theme that of this book is further detailed in verse 8 when Jesus gives an outline of how the Holy Spirit will spread throughout the world. The writer of Acts uses 1-8 as an outline for the whole book. In that verse, Jesus says the disciples will begin to witness about Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit first in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and then to the uttermost parts of the earth. We're supposed to be doing that still. Like the the the, the mission hasn't changed. Since Jesus ascended to heaven, we've had the same mission. It's to spread this witness of Jesus throughout the whole world, the uttermost parts of the earth. This demonstrates how the Holy Spirit was meant to spread throughout the world and to all people. It was not meant to happen only once in Jerusalem. It was meant to be a gift for everyone, not just the Jews. So how did it happen the first time? Well, let's look in Acts chapter 2, verse 1 through 4. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in one accord in one place. And they were in Jerusalem, by the way, where uh, Jesus told them to go. Verse 2, And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. This is the initial occurrence of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that Jesus told his disciples to wait for in Acts chapter 1. The supernatural sign that let them know that they were being baptized with the Holy Spirit was the fact that they all spoke in tongues. This means 
that they all spoke in another language other than the one that they knew. Notice the conjunction and in that verse. It links being filled with the Spirit and speaking in other tongues. It's it's not, they were filled with the Spirit, um, and then later on they spoke in, no, it says they were all filled with the Spirit and began to speak in other tongues. These two things occurred simultaneously, and because speaking in tongues was given as a sign that a person had received the Holy Spirit. And then in verse 4, it explains that the Holy Spirit gave them the utterance. Now, according to the Oxford Dictionary, the word utterance means a spoken word, statement, or vocal sound. So, in other words, God was giving them the ability to make the sound of words from another language as they received the gift of the Holy Spirit. This supernatural sign is the only sign that is given by Scripture to signify someone being baptized by the Holy Spirit, as we're going to see throughout the book of Acts. There wasn't another sign. Nobody else anywhere in Scripture said, well, we got the Holy Ghost and this is how we got it. That's This is how it happened the first time. And throughout the book of Acts, I'll show you. That's, that's, that's how, and it still happened. People tell you it doesn't happen today. I'm telling you it does. I'm telling you it does. You, you've got to experience this. I promise you, it'll change your life. This is what the Bible lays out as the way to enter the kingdom of God, to be born again of water and spirit. This is how it happens. It's it's not supposed to be vague. People have made it vague when, when they started changing uh, instructions about how to receive the Holy Ghost or how to be baptized because they... They had wandered away from the truth at some point. They created these traditions. They, they created all this stuff to try to fabricate some semblance, some form of godliness, but denied the power. It, it, this is how it started. This is how the church was born. And if you want to be added to the church, this is the only prescription I have for you. Let's look at. Let's continue reading, actually. I, I, I want to read a little bit further because I just want to hammer in the fact that speaking in tongues was the evidence of the Holy Spirit. Peter actually proves it once we get to verse 17. So let's start in verse 5. I just want to kind of read the rest of this story. So we just read how the Holy Spirit fell. They spoke in tongues. Verse 5 says, And there was dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men, out of every nation under heaven. God didn't... Make a mistake pouring it out on the day of Pentecost because everyone was traveling home for that holiday. They came from every nation under heaven to go back to Jerusalem, made a pilgrimage home to celebrate Pentecost. Verse 6, Now, when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded because that every man heard them speak in his own language. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying, one to another, behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? They're, they're basically saying, like, how did these poor fishermen learn how to speak a second language? Verse 8, and how hear we every man in our own tongue wherein we were born? And then it talks about all the places that were born. I'll skip down and not stumble over all the names of those countries. Verse 11 says, we do hear them speak in our tongues the wonderful works of God. Verse 12, and they were all amazed and were in doubt, saying one to another, what meaneth this? The first question they ask in this 
uh, in this chapter is what meaneth this? And then verse 36 later on, they ask, what shall we do once they understand what it means? Uh, verse 13, others mocking said, these men are full of new wine. These men were full of new wine. Verse 14 says, but Peter standing up with the 11 lifted up his voice and said unto them, ye men of Judea and all ye that dwell in Jerusalem, be this known unto you and hearken to my words. For these are not drunken as you suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. That's 9 a.m. They're like, he can't be drunk. It's only nine o'clock in the morning. Verse 16 says, but this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. Mm. And then he reads a prophecy from Joel chapter 2, verse 28. He quotes it rather in verse 17 of Acts chapter 2. He says, And it shall come to pass in the last day, saith God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. So let's go back to verse 16. He says, this is that. So the the question that they asked Peter was, what meaneth this? What, what were they talking about? When they said, what meaneth this? They were seeing people speaking in many different languages. Some of them assumed it was because they were drunk. They asked the question, what meaneth this? What is people speaking in tongues? What does this mean? All these people speaking different languages. That was the question. Peter's answer was this, because they said, what meaneth this? He said, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. So what is this? This is 120 people speaking in many different languages that they could not have learned. So the question, what meaneth this? Peter's answer was, this is that. These people speaking in tongues is that. What is that? The prophecy from Joel. When God will pour out his spirit on all flesh. This is that. This right here. People speaking in many different languages. Is a fulfillment of God pouring out his spirit on all flesh. That's the Holy Spirit. That's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. When you speak in a language that you don't understand. Peter told them what it was. If you go to a church that believes in this and you hear people speaking in tongues and you might ask the question, what does this mean? I'm going to tell you, this is that which was spoken of by the prophet Joel. This is the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. There's no other way that it happens. There's no other way. Why would there be multiple ways to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit? There's not multiple ways to be baptized in water. There's not multiple ways to repent. Why would there be multiple ways? That doesn't even make sense. There's one way that it happened all throughout Scripture. And Peter explained it right here. This is how God said it would happen when he pours out his spirit upon all flesh. He went on to explain that when you receive the Holy Spirit, you can see and hear it happen in Acts chapter 2, verse 33. So look, verse 33, he said, Therefore, 
being by the right hand of God exalted and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, he has shed forth this, there's this, this again, which ye now see and hear. So if somebody says, well, I got the Holy Ghost, I just know it. No, Peter didn't say what you now know or what you can imagine. He said, when you see someone get the Holy Ghost, it's good. you're going to be able to see it and hear it. There's an external sign. Peter then explained that they had crucified Jesus, who was the Lord and the Messiah. This is a repeat of what I already talked about in this Bible study, if you missed the first three lessons of this. But just to recap, he's preaching the gospel to them. He's, he's telling them that, that Jesus died, God raised him up again. He was seen alive by many witnesses, proving he was the Messiah. When the people heard this, the Bible says they were pierced in their heart, and then they said, what shall we do? At first they asked, what meaneth this? Once they heard what it meant, they said, okay, what do we do? And Peter responded that if they repent and are baptized in Jesus' name, they would receive the gift of the Holy Spirit too. He emphasized that the gift of the Holy Spirit is for everyone in verse 39. He said it's for your children, for all them that are afar off. So, that's the first time it was poured out. Let's look at the next time it was poured out. In Acts chapter 8, the revival of the early church was beginning to spread outside the full-blooded Jews. Just as Jesus had foretold it would happen. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, he said it's going to start in Jerusalem, go throughout Judea, and then it would go into Samaria. So it did exactly that. Philip went there and started preaching a revival. We can learn a lot of things from the outpouring of the Spirit on the Samaritans. If we go to chapter 8, I'm going to start reading in verse 14 of chapter 8. Let me turn there real quick. Bear with me. Verse 14, it says, Now when the apostles which were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John. So Philip was there preaching, and they said, Okay, let's bring in the big dogs. So Peter and John goes to go see what's happening. Verse 15, Who, when they were come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. Now we'll listen to this. This is important right here. For as yet he was fallen upon None of them. None of them had the Holy Ghost, he says. Only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Now, when somebody tells you that baptism in water is the same as receiving the baptism of the Spirit, this right here proves they're wrong, along with many other scriptures. It's a lie. You don't just automatically have the Spirit because you went down in water. No, Peter and John heard that they had been baptized in water and said, now we need to pray that you get the Spirit. There, it's, it's not the same. When, now, you can come up out of the water speaking in tongues, and you can get it at the same time. But I'm telling you, it's a separate experience. Going down in water is for the remission of sins. That's the burial. Receiving the Holy Ghost, that's how you're re- resurrected. So, it says they laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Ghost. Did it say they speak in tongues? No, it didn't say they spoke in tongues. But watch this. Simon, when he saw it, remember Peter said in Acts chapter 2, verse 33, you'll be able to see it and hear it. Listen, when Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands, the Holy Ghost was given, 
He offered them money. Now, let me ask you this question. Would you pay money because someone said, I feel better inside? Would you pay money to receive the power to make somebody smile? Like, it doesn't make sense that there was some sort of internal sign. Obviously, he saw something. It says when he saw it, there was an external sign. He saw something physically happen. When the apostles laid their hands on them and prayed for them to receive the Holy Ghost, they got it. They received the Holy Ghost. Simon said, I want to buy that. Verse 19 saying, give me also this power that on whomsoever I lay my hands, he will receive the Holy Ghost. But Peter said unto him, thy money perish with thee because thou hast thought that the gift of God may be purchased with money. So I want you to just take note of this because this is an example of someone receiving the Holy Ghost. And it doesn't say that they spoke in tongues, but here, but here's what it did say. It says that Simon the sorcerer saw something, something worth buying. He offered money to buy it. So it had to be an external sign. The other thing that we learn from this is that it didn't happen when they got baptized in Jesus name. It was a separate experience that happened when the apostles laid hands on them. So even though I'm not, I'm not scared to go to this verse because it doesn't specifically say when they got the Holy Ghost, they spoke in tongues because it teaches other things as well. It tells you one, there's an external sign. And number two, it's separate from baptism. They were, they were baptized in Jesus name, they didn't get the Holy Ghost till the apostles laid hands on them. Every instance of someone receiving the Holy Spirit in the Bible either explicitly or implicitly states that there was an outward physical sign that occurred to show that person and people around them that they had received the Holy Spirit. Whenever the Bible explicitly states what that outward sign is, it's speaking in other ter- tongues. This is the one place where it doesn't explicitly say what the outward sign is. So and then we have to start making assumptions here. We can assume that because it didn't explicitly say they spoke in tongues, that there are other signs. And we would then have to guess what those other signs are, because the Bible doesn't say. But I think it would make more sense for us to go look at the other places where people were filled with the Holy Ghost and see what the sign was for that and we can do that by just flipping over two chapters because the holy ghost fell out again and 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 there's there's a reason why these particular events were recorded by luke i feel like god inspired him to really be a a, a look at this almost from the future back and see what would a historian be looking for as you're reading the book of luke he's like you notice very detailed information that he puts in there. And he does the same thing with the book of Acts where he's like, if I'm looking back at this 2000 years from now, what information would I want to see? He, he does it in that manner. He doesn't write down every single time someone got the Holy ghost. It was key events. When, when the Jew, when the first time it happened, he was like, I'm going to write that down. I'm going to be very detailed. Exactly what happened. Next time it happened, it happened to the half Jews, the Samaritans. So I'm going to I'm going to put some information in there to show you 
some specific things about it. Number one, it has an outward sign. Number two, it was separate from baptism in water. And then this this one here in Acts chapter 10, it was significant because of the fact that this this man Cornelius, he he was not a Jew at all. It wasn't half Jew, it wasn't part Jew. He was completely Gentile or non-Jew. So this is a key moment in church history, and Luke never missed a key moment in church history. He, 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 any question I've ever heard people ask about, well, what about this with the Holy Ghost, or what about this with baptism, you can answer it through, the, through Luke's writings. He, he never missed those key moments and key details that we needed to have. So I don't want to put things in there that are not in there. I don't want to say, well, you can receive the Holy Ghost another way. No, there's... We don't need to do that. Luke gave us the details. And here, this is one of my favorite stories, because when you look at the story of Cornelius, we're, we answer so many questions with this one. Let, let's just let's dive right in here. Verse, We'll start in chapter 10, verse 1, and we'll just read 1 and 2, and then we're going to skip on to when they received the Holy Ghost. But verse 1 tells us who Cornelius was. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band called the Italian band, a devout man and one that feared God with all his house and gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. Now, how many people do we have that call themselves Christians or going to church and they're not, they're not even as good as this man. This man, it says he was a devout man. He, he gave offering all the time. His whole house feared God and he prayed to God always but he needed more. I hear people all the time saying, well, I'm a good person. I go to church. I give tithes, offering. I give demissions. I do all these things. And it's like, yeah, but do you have the gift of the Holy Ghost? Like you need more than just being a good person, more than just praying all the time, more than just fearing God, more than giving offerings. You've, you've got to be filled with the, if you want to enter the kingdom of heaven, Jesus said you must be born of the water and the spirit. So let's go to when that happened. Peter goes and preaches to him. If we skip over down to verse 44, I believe it is. Peter starts preaching to them and it says in verse 44, While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. And they of the circumcision, that's the Jews, which believed were astonished. As many as came with Peter. Now, just like with Simon, Simon the sorcerer in Acts chapter 8, he tried to buy it. Why? Because he saw it. Remember, when someone gets the Holy Ghost, you will always see it and hear it. There's always an outward sign. And here, the Jews were astonished. How did, if he's preaching and all of them got the Holy Ghost and it just put joy in their hearts, would that astonish people? Which, how would they even know that it happened? They, they would have, you, like, you would have to stop Peter from preaching and say, hey, I just got the Holy Ghost because I just felt a little warm feeling inside of me. Like, that doesn't make sense. But when we look at Scripture, they were astonished. Why? Watch. As many came with Peter, still in verse 45, because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. I like the word also there. They knew that they got it also. Verse 46, here's why they knew. Here's why they were astonished. 
for they heard them speak with tongues. They saw it and they heard it. They saw it and they heard it. It says, for they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then answered Peter, can any man forbid water that they should not be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then prayed they him to tarry certain days. Notice, I know this one's going a little bit long, but hang with me. We're not done. I don't want to cut this into two parts. We're going to, we're going to keep trucking. We're almost done. So they heard them speak with tongues. That's how they knew. That's why they were astonished, right? There was no doubt that the Gentiles had received the Holy Ghost because there was an outward sign of speaking in tongues. And Peter actually says in the next chapter, he tells everyone, no, the Gentile, when he's given a testimony of what happened, he said they received the Holy Spirit the same way we did. Like if he, if he went back to the other disciples and said, listen, some Gentiles got the Holy Ghost. And they said, how do you know? And he said, oh, man, they just, they were happy. Like they, they said they had a warm feeling. They, they just knew. No, he, he went back to them and said, I know because they got it just like we did on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit fell. That's what he said. That was his testimony. And how do I know I have the Holy Ghost? Because I got it just like Peter got it on the day of Pentecost. That's the only way you can know for sure that you've been baptized with the gift of the Holy Spirit because you've somebody heard you speak with tongues. It's not a language someone's going to teach you how to speak. It's not somebody's going to sit there and say, here, here, let's babble along together. No, no, no. When it happens is God, his spirit gives you the utterance. He speaks through you. We got to hurry. Number, the next one I want to look at is Acts chapter 19. Another example. Starting in verse 1, it says, And it came to pass, while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus, and finding certain disciples, he said unto them, Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? I love that question. Number one, it's an apostolic question. Someone says, No, I'm a believer in Jesus. Okay. Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? They said, We have not heard... We have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. What's that? Verse 3 says, And he said unto them, Unto unto what then were you baptized? And they said, Unto John's baptism. So another apostolic question. How were you baptized? That's kind of going back into the last lesson we talked about baptism. I won't recap it, but that's an apostolic question. I was just baptized anyway. No, Paul said, How were you baptized? Then said Paul, verse 4, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they they should believe on him which should come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Verse 6, And when Paul, the apostle Paul, had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them, and they spake with tongues and prophesied. 
they spoke in other tongues. Again, more people being filled with the Holy Ghost. The evidence was they spoke in other tongues. This is the pattern that we see in the book of Acts for someone receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost. We don't have another one. We don't have anywhere that says someone got the Holy Ghost another way. The other thing here that we notice, I think um, right here, he baptized them and then he laid hands on them and they received the Holy Ghost. But in Cornelius' story, when we look back at chapter 10, they received the Holy Ghost and then they were baptized. We look back in Samaria, they were baptized and then they received the Holy Ghost. So we know that those two events are, they can go in either, either order, but they both need to happen. If you receive the Holy Ghost and you haven't been baptized in Jesus' name, Peter commanded them, let's, let's go baptize them right now. So we, we, we learn all kinds of things. And this one here, we also learn in Acts chapter 19, I mentioned this in the last lesson, that if they were baptized without being baptized in Jesus' name, they need to get baptized again. I said, no, 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 we need to do this again because the name of Jesus wasn't spoken the last time you were baptized, when you were baptized by John. Now that you know about Jesus, you need to be baptized in his name. So if you were baptized any other way, you need to be baptized in the name of Jesus. And if you think you have the Holy Ghost, but you've never spoken tongues, then I'm, I, I'm saying you need... You need to experience it this way because this is the biblical method for receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit. This is it. Now, people will try to confuse you. People will try to take you to other scriptures where Paul said, you know, don't speak in tongues the whole time you're in church. I'm paraphrasing. He was trying to tell them, hey, listen, when you come together, you need to speak some some words in your own language so that people there will understand what you're saying. Because I don't know what you're saying if you're speaking in tongues. But then he goes on to say, I speak in tongues more than you all. He, he goes on to say that in my private prayer, there's things that come out of me that I, the groanings that can't be. Uh, he, th- this, is, this is something that continues that. It doesn't just happen one time when you're filled with the Holy Ghost. I believe every day you need to pray until you speak in tongues. I believe that. I think if you don't, if you go years without it, um, I would have to question, do I still have it? Because every day when you pray, you can speak in other tongues. It, it, it's a gift. And it's a gift that comes with evidence to let you know you have it. And the evidence according to Scripture is clear. In every case of God pouring out His Spirit in the book of, of Acts, it either directly says they spoke in tongues, or it says that there was something that somebody could see and hear. It was some sort of outward sign. So if you want to try to gamble and say, well, maybe there's other outward signs. Try to figure out what happened in Samaria that Simon wanted to buy. I'm going to say they spoke in other tongues. Like I'm going to say they got it just like the apostles did. Because that's how it happened everywhere else. And that's how they were able to identify it everywhere else. They said, oh, they got it because we heard them speaking in tongues in, in Acts chapter 10. That we know they got it because they got it just like us. So it would if, if there was some other sign in Acts chapter 8, if that's the one you want to go to and say, well, it doesn't say they spoke in tongues there. Okay. What was it? Don't you think if it was something else that the apostles would have been like, 
They got it, but it was different this time. This is important. We need to write this down. Luke would have said they got it a different way. We need to write this down so people can know that they can get it a different way. No, he didn't get into the specifics because the specifics have already been laid out all throughout the book of Acts. There was only one way people received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and that was through speaking in other tongues. In fact, Jesus even said that one of the signs of a true believer is that they will speak in new tongues. You can read that in Mark chapter 16, verse 17. He says, And these signs shall follow them that believe. They will speak in new tongues. Are you a believer? Have you spoken new tongues? Have you spoken a language that you don't know? No one taught you. No one taught you how to do it. Somebody didn't get you babbling and let you trip over your... No. When it happens, it is God doing it. There is a clear separation between water baptism and spirit baptism in every single one of these events in the book of Acts. It's evident that the outpouring of the Holy Spirit was not limited to any one people, one place, or any certain time. In fact, the book of Acts was written over, I believe it's a span of about 35 years. When you read of the Holy Ghost falling in Acts chapter 19, this was decades after it fell in Acts chapter 2. Like it wasn't just like, oh, on one Sunday revival, a bunch of people got the Holy... No, this happened for years through the book of Acts. This supernatural gift is freely given to all who are hungry for it and to all that are afar off. The Holy Spirit is a gift that was promised to you. And if you repent and you're baptized in the name of Jesus, Peter said you can have this gift too. That's in Acts chapter 2 verse 38. It will happen. Make no doubt about it. It will happen just like it did on the day of Pentecost many years ago when God first poured out His Spirit on all flesh. He didn't change the the formula for you. The people that say he changed the formula is because they don't have it. And they, they want to pretend like they do. They want to say, well, I have it because I just know I do. Okay, well, I have it because I spoke in other tongues just like they did on the day of Pentecost. You've heard the gospel in these last four lessons. You've heard how to obey the gospel. You've heard how to respond to the gospel. You know Jesus said to follow him. And I've shown you how to follow him in birth, in death, in burial, and in resurrection. The gospel requires a response. Have you been born again? Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? Have you repented of your sins, truly repented of your sins with godly sorrow, confessing your sins, turning to God and away from from your life of sin? Have you been baptized in Jesus name, fully immersed in water? Do you even do you remember it where you were you an infant when you were baptized? Because Jesus said you need to believe and be baptized. Have you been filled with the Holy Ghost? How do you know you have it? Do you know? Are you unsure? Did you receive the Holy Spirit the way they did in the Bible? This is that which was spoken of by the prophet Joel. This is that. I promise you. I'm telling you the truth. You can read this in your Bible. I'm not going to mislead you. I'm not going to tell you there's another way. 
I'm not going to preach another gospel. Paul said I would be cursed if I did that. There's a lot of cursed preachers out there that are trying to stick to philosophies and tradition. Not me. I want, I want to say like they did in Acts chapter 10. We heard them speak in tongues. That's how we knew they got it. I want to say what Peter said in Acts chapter 11. I know they got it because they got it the same way we did on the day of Pentecost. It happened the same way. I don't want a different way. I want the way they got it because I want to receive power that Jesus promised me. I've told you how to be born again, how to repent of your sins, which is to be crucified with Christ, how to be baptized in Jesus' name, which is how you're buried with Christ in baptism and how to be resurrected to walk in newness of life quicken your mortal body through the gift of the Holy Spirit will you follow him I know I went a little long today I hope that this lesson has blessed you remember if you have any questions look in the notes you can find a way to send me your questions I love each and every one of you if you're one of God's children and if you're able to hear me I believe that you are if you're listening to this I know it's because you're hungry for the truth I'm praying for you and I believe that God is going to speak to you God is speaking to you now and he wants a relationship with you God is real and God loves you and you can have the gift of the Holy Spirit. I'll see you on the next episode of A Measure of Faith.